0: united states senate everybody in around america must decide now do we want to go backward 10 20 30 40 50 years
1: the new nominee to be on the supreme court kavanaugh wants to take the country
2: back 50 years my understanding is he will overturn roe versus wade affirm the dred scott decision and rescind statehood for idaho now that we didn't
1: say who that was that's cory booker he's a senator and he's on the Judiciary Committee. He's a Democrat, uh, and he's probably going to run for president in 2020.
2: So and methinks perhaps his uh, vigorous uh, denunciation there has something to do with that.
1: Chuck, Back Sh- to you. Chuck Schumer is the current leader of the Democrats. He's the Minority Leader in the Senate. Said that he will fight this nominee with everything he has, and that Democrats need to fight Brett Kavanaugh or pay the price from the base.
2: Well, let's talk about Brett Kavanaugh in the base, in the politics, in the law with Adam J. White, research fellow at the Hoover Institution, director of the Center for the Study of Ad- the Administrative State at George Mason University's Antonin Scalia Law School, one of the great institutions of liberty in our country, uh, Adam White. Hello, Adam. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. Good to be here. It's it's always great to talk to you.
1: We want, uh, we want to get your knowledge That's the word we're using today. Mm-hmm. Uh How scary is this dude?
0: Well, so... A lot of people in Washington and across the country are racing to get their PhDs in kavanaugh
2: <laughs> don't, don't dignify that, yes, Adam. Yes, You're better than that. You are above this.
0: <laughs> but um, but Kavanaugh as a judge, I, I and others have been watching very closely throughout his time on the court. I mean, my, as you mentioned uh, very kindly, I run a program called the Center for the Study of the Administrative State. And for the last 10 years, studying the administrative state has involved, in large part, studying the opinions of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, who's been writing really remarkable opinions on the structure of agencies on the rule of law on the relationship between courts and agencies um on the separation of powers and so on and even when his opinions haven't prevailed in his own court they've often become the stuff of supreme court majority opinions uh especially you know in the roberts court and so i think it's fitting that kavanaugh is now arriving himself at the supreme court because his ideas have been arriving there for years and obviously. There's been a lot of already you know, full-throated attacks on him, basically preemptive declarations of total war against him. I think it's a real, obviously an exaggeration, but at the same time, I think it's a reminder of the stakes and the fact that people do on the left recognize that Judge Kavanaugh is going to be a, a thoughtful and forceful advocate for textualist jur- jurisprudence.
2: Which I'm a fan of. I'm. uh, We're also of the belief around here that the uh, the government colossus, the administrative state, is the greatest threat to liberty, far beyond China, Russia, et cetera. Uh, How does he swing on the question of of the administrative state and executive power and that sort of thing?
0: Well, it's not just one question. It's several. Right. There's Mm -hmm. the question of how much deference should courts give to administrative agencies. Uh, Kavanaugh has been a, a, a critic. Of undue deference to the agencies, he thinks the courts should do more work to read the law themselves. He's also uh, raised questions about the breadth of powers that Congress gives to agencies, and if nothing Good. else, you know, urging the courts to look skeptical upon agencies claiming that Congress has given them basically unlimited powers. And then finally, he's been a, he's been uh, he's voiced concerns about the structure of agencies. Uh, he wrote an opinion for the D.C. Circuit for a majority opinion. Declaring the structure of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau un- unconstitutional because of all the forms of independence and its structure, even when the Supreme Court, or sorry, the D.C. Circuit reheard the case and the uh, the the, the Democratic-heavy uh, majority of the full court reversed Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh's opinion was very widely read and, in fact, was just adopted by the federal district court in Manhattan in a different constitutional challenge to the CFPB. And so Kavanaugh has seen a lot of his influence there. In many ways, those opinions actually reflect his predecessor and mentor, Ju- Justice Kennedy, who was very good on those sorts of issues. Um, but I think Kavanaugh will continue on the Supreme Court to grapple with the uh, the evolution and growth of the administrative state.
1: So we've got to bring up Roe versus Wade, even though I don't want to. But before I get to that, so if I'm looking up, uh, uh, if I'm looking at the Supreme Court, assuming Kavanaugh is going to be on it, and the, the nine people involved. What are the uh, the the endpoints of a continuum? Uh, is conservative and liberal the right term to use, or is that wrong? Right and left? How how do? You, what is the continuum, and where would he fit into it?
0: Well, if Kavanaugh joins the court, I think you could call it a continuum, or you really could call it two baskets. Uh, in one basket, you have the Republican the, the the judges appointed by Republican presidents, who all are varying shades of textualist or originalist, from Roberts thomas in the other basket is the the four justices appointed by democrats who uh, they, they they often say they begin with the text what they have a much more uh, uh will they have much more willingness to embrace what's often called the living constitution the idea that constitutional rights as enforced by the courts can change grow and expand over time within that first group the conservatives you have different flavor. That really is a, a spectrum, I'd say, of textualists. On, at one end, I would put Justice Thomas, who is the, the most sort of rigorous or, or consistent textualist in that he'll follow the Constitution's original meaning all the way over precedents that he thinks should be overturned. He really has the least patience for precedence he thinks were just wrongly decided. At the other end of the spectrum is probably Chief Justice Roberts, who as the chief justice necessarily takes a more institutional view and is probably of the five on the court, on the court's conservative side the one most uh, attuned to the need to maintain precedent. So it's that balance between original meaning and precedent that's going to be so interesting for the five conservative justices.
2: Mm. So listen, uh, I'm going to dumb it down. What are the chances Kavanaugh gets on there and they immediately convene and uh, overturn Roe versus Wade, or eventually, or weaken it, because w- w- people want to know. Front
1: page of USA
2: Today, a world without Roe versus Wade. Oh, come on. Well, I don't know. Well, let's uh, ask Adam White of the Hoover Institution. Adam?
0: Uh, it's just fine. What, what, would a, what would a world without Roe versus Wade look like? It would be a world in which the states themselves decide how much protection to give. Often the state Supreme Court's giving the same or more protection than Roe v. Wade already gives. I mean, to answer your sort of timing question, Roe v. Wade won't – the core right of Roe v. Wade won't be overturned, overturned anytime soon. and may never be overturned. I'm still not convinced. It's going to take a lot of political and cultural change for that to happen. But here's what's going to happen first. Some states are going to pass – some states, we saw this in Iowa, my home state, where they just passed some new regulations on abortion. When states pass new regulations on abortion, the first thing that challengers are going to want to try to do – is sue in state court, not federal court. They'll want to sue in state court under the state constitution saying the state constitution blocks this. The reason why they'll they'll do that and why the challengers are doing it in Iowa is because if you win in your state supreme court under your state constitution, the case doesn't go to the U.S. Supreme Court. So the first thing that has to happen is a case where a state passes a law that the challengers decide can't successfully be challenged under their own state constitution and then they have to start pursuing it in federal court and it has to go through three layers of federal review in the courts it has to continue to be focused on the core right of abortion there's no sort of side side exit for the case then it gets to the Supreme Court which has to decide not just the Roe v Wade issue but the but the, you know the, the the stare decisis the precedent issue whether even a wrong precedent should be maintained for the sake of stability and predictability mm. that's a long answer to a short question but the short answer to it is if Roe v. Wade is ever challenged directly, it will be many years from now, and the country is going to have to change significantly politically and culturally before the justices even begin to grapple with
1: it. So to, to be, to, I want—I'll uh, say it, and then you tell me whether this is right. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's unlikely it will be challenged anytime soon, and it would be extraordinary even if you know if it did get overturned.
0: Right.
2: Okay. Well, then, all right. All right. And that's what everybody says who's being honest. Uh, on a lighter note, Adam, how hilarious is it that during the confirmation hearings, all these uh, would-be Supreme Court justices have to pretend that they don't really have an opinion on these cases? Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade. I think about, right. I, I heard about that
0: one in you, law school. but came I don't up, recall You came up through
1: high
2: school
0: right. <laughs> and college and
1: law and you're interested in the law, but you never read about the most controversial case in America.
0: Well, maybe they were doing interesting things like playing sports or something. Right. 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 Exactly. I'll, I'll say that it's a it's a delicate balance. Right. We don't want to live in a I don't want to live in a country where Supreme Court justices get nominated and confirmed. Sure. By making promises on a checklist of specific cases.
1: And certainly on not one on hand. one specific case. That would be crazy.
0: Right. And so, you know, they have to. They have. They have. Especially a somebody who's already on the court. Kavanaugh. No matter what happens in this nomination, is a federal judge. And so he does have to be careful under the basic rules of judicial ethics to not prejudge issues publicly. And so it's frustrating, and I, I, I think that Elena Kagan was right. Before she was a justice, she wrote a law review article saying that the confirmation hearings are, in some ways, sort of a, a, a ridiculous kabuki dance.
1: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. But
0: it's a difficult balance to strike. And then Kagan then famously said, after she was nominated, she said, well, maybe there is something to be said for reticence during a confirmation <laughs> well, hearing.
1: Well, so did we asked uh, one of our other lawyer friends, Tim the Lawyer,
2: this a uh, week or so ago. and The eminent constitutional scholar Tim Sandifer.
1: And um, yeah. so... I was thinking that back in the day when we would uh, confirm these Supreme Court justices, you know, 100 to nothing or 98 to two or whatever, that that was that was better somehow than when it's just clear down party lines. But but Tim seemed to he liked the, the battle. He liked the uh, the battling over the ideas as opposed to just going along. How do you feel about that?
0: Well, you know, I think the person who put it best is Justice Scalia. Uh, ironically, in, in his dissent in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case that affirmed, uh, reaffirmed Roe v. Wade in 92, Scalia said in his dissent that decisions like this, where the court is making value judgments on behalf of the country, are precisely the reason why Supreme Court confirmation hearings have become explosive and will continue to be explosive. Confirmation hearings are going to be explosive so long as the court's work involves making these value judgments Uh, on behalf of or in the place of uh, of the american public Mm. it's unavoidable and so the stakes are so high these appointments are lifetime appointments these are things worth fighting for whichever side you're on now they're not worth character assassination and i I really do worry that this nomination given the stakes is gonna be the most poisonous confirmation uh hearing process we've ever seen really what do you Um, picture
1: what do you picture happening
0: I don't know yet, uh, but you think about this. At any moment in history, this was going to be the most controversial sure. nomination we've ever seen because it's Kennedy being replaced.
1: And you Trump's that, involved.
0: You right. You, you take that and you parachute that nomination into the, what's really the most poisonous political year we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, wow. and I just don't think we know what that adds up to. Last night, there were protests in front of the Supreme Court that was, with sitting senators that were so loud and so vocal that a Fox News host felt unsafe broadcasting from the site and had to move inside that's just the beginning of it i think anybody who tries to predict how bad this process is about to get should probably uh should probably increase their expectations however bad you think it is it'll probably be worse
2: i think i think it will be character assassination of the sort that we should be ashamed of as a nation for decades to come and and it's entirely possible we'd have seen something similar uh, if Merrick Garland were indeed have been nominated, and um, it's 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 just disgusting. Yeah, yeah, you,
1: you, yeah. You're right. You're right. He you probably would have been the same thing.
2: Uh, Adam White is a research fellow at the Hoover Institution. Uh, Adam, the other point I want to make, and my credentials are fairly similar to yours, in that I almost went to law school. <laughs> um, you know, the other part of uh, my disagreement with Tim Sandifer on the confirmation process. Oh my God, look how late we are. Oh well. Um, th- th- my my point of contention with him is number one, he underestimates. The uh, propensity for politicians and people to just take a single sentence or a phrase, blow it wildly out of proportion and use that tiny bit of truth to to obfuscate the truth, to cloud the truth. Um, and and it just it would get so ugly. And the other thing is, and I know this from reading bunches of, of uh, decisions so often the decision is so subtle or it doesn't mean what you think it means or it has to do with standing or whatever, the idea of telling you how I would rule on a case or even giving you a vague idea might be as misleading as it is, you know, leading.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, legal decisions, legal arguments are hyper-technical. They are, oftentimes they are semantic word fights where lawyers get paid by the hour to, to, to have word fights. But if nothing else, to be extremely precise. And to specify a very narrow issue and be careful about what what else they reach, that is basically the worst kind of document to put before uh, a, a heated political audience yeah, um, yeah well so, so under- then
1: my argument is the the you know voting them in 98 nothing was better than having these stupid argument we're not having good you know uh, discussions all across America about core issues that's not happening
0: no. Well, let me, let me. I mean, I know, I know we're running late on time, but let me let me put in a, a, a good word for all this. I just said how bad the process is at its worst. We're also going to see the process at its best. We're going to be arguing about first principles of the Constitution, about what it means to have a Constitution and a rule of law. We're going to have arguments about precedents. We're even going to have arguments about precedent itself and what that means in the rule of law. These confirmation hearings are sometimes politics at its worst, but they're also politics at its best, and we ought to celebrate the good side of it, even while we lament the bad side of it.
2: And on that note, Adam J. White, Research Fellow for the Hoover Institution, uh, thank you so much for your time. We have to have you back on, and we'll talk about Kilo versus City of New London for like an hour and a half.
0: Uh, great. kilo Kilo-ology. I look forward to it. <laughs> beautiful.
2: Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I like lamenting the bad things. That's what I do for a living. You're a lamenter. I am, from way back. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The
2: conscience of the of the nation.
0: The Armstrong
3: and Getty Show. So I propose this. The city allows for licensed masseurs to give genital massages if the masseur and the client both agree to it. We let someone get naked and have every other part of their body touched and rubbed by a massage therapist. That would truly be a happy ending for everyone.
1: Wow. Thank you. Is good, that good Kavanaugh? Good closing line. <laughs> that was Kavanaugh in front of the right. Circuit Court of Appeals. In the case of the people versus penis. <laughs> so, wh- <laughs> so what was that that we just heard? That was a young man being active and engaged in his local pol- political scene. Good Admirable. for him. Yeah. Uh, going to his city council where any citizen gets a two-minute spiel. I know. I've done it myself recently. To go up and, and g- really get what's on their mind. And he chose to focus on happy endings at massage parlors for his, his cause. (laughs) He says that the masseuse can rub on any other part of you, right? why not your genitals?
2: It's a reasonable argument. If two consenting adults can come to this well, sort of agreement... I,
1: I understand that
2: point so, of view. So this Thomas Paine of our time, where was he <laughs> arguing? Do you know uh, where they came from? Uh, uh, no. I can. He it. sounds okay. like the sort of gent- that Thomas paine <laughs> wow. Oh. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Oh. I, I How have... did we go from oh, yeah.
1: Adam White explaining the makeup of the Supreme Court to that joke? Huh?
2: <laughs> 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 I don't know. Why don't you just put on some Crocs? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. By
1: the way, we got this text about Crocs. You know the joke about Crocs, those mm-hmm. little holes? That's where your dignity leaks out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so back to this guy. Yes. Um, he sounds like the sort of dude that probably does have to pay to get his genitals rubbed. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, it's unfortunate, but... yeah. Lawrence, Kansas was where this, uh, this oh, joke like goes. Towns. Home that's of a, Kansas University? I, I spent a, a rough semester there myself. In uh, grad school for a cup of coffee? (laughs) Yeah, for a cup of coffee. That's when I was sleeping in a room using my shoes for a pillow.
0: Oh, Oh, boy, were they Crocs?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Anyway. A little down on my luck. Speaking of people's body parts, we'll have uh, Gretchen Carlson, the new head of the uh, Miss America contest, explaining why they've canceled the swimsuit competition, and 22 state directors have called for the resignation of the entire board of directors. Uh, that controversy that's gripped America coming up. It's really our cave children, that story. What everybody's <laughs> talking about.
1: It's our cave children. Um, and we'll continue to do a, somebody sent a word I want to use, cavanoscopy <laughs> on the president's <laughs> I'm choice. Nice. I'm going to leave if you guys keep this up. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like
2: that one. Plus, this story from merry old England, Meghan Markle commits another royal faux pas as she is spotted crossing her legs again. During a church service.
1: Oh, not allowed and to do that? Apparently, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to sit there with them splayed open, or what? No, you're <laughs> supposed to cross them at the ankles, not oh, the knees. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Al well, Democrats
3: promising a battle royale over President Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Nah, no, you're not. GOP Congressman Jim Jordan's battling against allegations. He knew a team
1: doctor was molesting athletes during the time
3: he yeah, was that is a wrestling
2: coach. So irresponsible. we got to
1: talk about that. And by the way, Adam White, our guest said he thinks this the Supreme Court battle is gonna be the nastiest thing we've seen in a long, long time. So stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. guest adam white a few minutes ago who doesn't strike me as a guy who's prone to hyperbole i mean he's not like a cable news you know get people all excited type saying this is going to be as toxic yeah. a battle as we've seen in washington
2: dc in quite some time oh, i agree with him completely because they the don't... only thing democrats have is character assassination and and the air the air is rife with you're a bad person If you disagree with me, it's that we're in a toxic culture.
1: Yeah, they're getting screamed at at restaurants and all that sort of
2: stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, yeah, and how about, you know, middle-aged suburban people trying to go to a Trump rally in San Jose and getting beaten down with the approval of the mayor? That's a pretty toxic time to be living in. Yeah. I mean, it's not 1968. I'm but, not one of those uh, chicken little types, but I don't it's w- ugly.
1: I don't want to use up all Marshall's time, but what I don't understand, okay, so if you found a way to scare <laughs> that, off two Republicans, or one, I guess, is all it would take, um, to stop the nomination, so he nominates
2: another person who's
1: almost exactly the same.
2: And then another one, and another one, another one. It's 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 you know it's like virtue signaling. It's keeping the base fired up, and I get it. Because wh- What's the alternative, saying... He's a reasonable guy. Uh, Trump would just nominate another one of them. There's no point. Well, that's what Somebody they were saying. Somebody primary him right. and scream and say, I'm willing to fight. But the <laughs>
1: consensus on Brian Williams last night and on Morning Joe this morning on MSNBC, where they're looking for any reason to, to say Trump's Hitler, their consensus was this is a perfectly acceptable guy,
2: this yeah. Kavanaugh. He's a slightly right guy in a way that Merrick Garland was a slightly left guy or somewhat left. Hmm. Um, Yeah, but I could easily see Brian Williams and Morning Joe coming around to the party line and realizing they'd made a mistake in being Mm, so reasonable. Because
1: reasonable doesn't sell. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well,
3: along those lines, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer is slamming President Trump's pick for the U.S. Supreme Court. Trump choosing Federal Appeals Court Judge Brett Kavanaugh. On the Senate floor, Schumer was arguing that Kavanaugh will vote to overturn women's reproductive health care rights.
2: Everyone ought to understand what it means for the freedom of women to make their own health care decisions. And for the protection for Americans with pre-existing conditions. Those rights will be gravely threatened reproductive health care rights like uh... ovarian cancer or yeast infection or what what are we talking about marshall so uh, and why do we pretend we're not talking about abortion
1: so here's uh... tom goldstein uh... harvard stanford right. argued before the supreme court this is his opinion having just heard what chuck schumer said here we go in
3: making this choice the president knows there are three hundred some odd opinions out there every word of it which can now be poured over That's exactly right, but what is really important is that they studied all the words that involved abortion, affirmative action, and gay rights, and came to the conclusion that he hadn't written anything that would create a real
2: opportunity to block him.
1: So there you go. What's Chuck Chuck Schumer talking about?
2: Well, right. It will be ridiculous, but it will be. I mean, I can claim right now on the air, I am 11 feet tall and can speak 14 languages. And I can claim that uh, Brett Kavanaugh will overturn Roe v.ersus Wade the first chance he gets, probably within six months, and probably execute any woman who seeks an abortion. I can freaking say anything, and you're going to see the Cory Booker's and Chuck Schumer's of the world saying some stuff that is truly irresponsible, practically guaranteed. Meanwhile, there was
3: backlash on the streets of D.C. after Trump oh, nominated me, the judge.
2: I got a pre- we got a press release. It was forwarded to yeah. us that it was accidentally sent out that the Women's Something or Other Act, Action League is shocked and, and 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 angered and opposes XXXXX. They hadn't filled in the name yet. And they accidentally <laughs> sent it out without changing that. So anyway, keep that in mind. Well,
3: i got to tell you, these protesters knew the name. Hey, hey, ho, ho, oh. has got to go. Hey, hey,
1: ho, ho, Kavanaugh has got to go. Hey, there you hey. go. Well, if they would do a thorough cavernoscopy, they'd realize, as that uh, previous gent said, you search his opinions and you can't come up with anything. At that rally, Senator
3: Bernie Sanders was certainly fired up and firing up the crowd. Look, I am not going to kid anybody. This is a tough fight, but it is a fight that we can win.
1: But right. then, again, it would just be a gesture, right? Because Trump would then nominate somebody different who's almost exactly the same as this dude, almost certainly went to the same college. Right. Um,
2: But it would be a win to show the base that we're fighting for you.
3: In a a story that started really bubbling up last week, we've got former wrestling coaches at Ohio State University now standing up for Republican Congressman Jim Jordan as he fends off accusations he ignored allegations of sexual abuse by an ex-team doctor. The Ohio Republican was an assistant wrestling coach at the university at the time when some former wrestlers say they were abused by the team doctor. Former head wrestling coach Russ Helkinson and five assistant coaches say it is absolutely wrong to say that Jordan knew about any alleged abuse by the team doctor at the time, Richard Strauss. At least seven of the wrestlers have said in recent days Jordan had to have known of the abuse based on many group conversations at the time, but again, Jordan
2: denies the claim. This whole thing is so overblown. He was, at the time, uh, he had just graduated and was brought as like a grad assistant. And these guys were his age and everything. He was so far down the totem pole of the coaching staff. And apparently, because of a university decision, the wrestling team trained in a public facility, or a facility that could be used by anybody at the university, affiliated with the university, who bought a pass, whatever, and pervs would come into the sauna, because they knew the r- naked wrestlers would be in there, or the the training field, the locker room, and, the, and so the coaching staff was constantly kicking perverts out, who just came to look at naked wrestling dudes, <laughs> oh, and there was that yeah. atmosphere, and that was a known quantity, and they were trying to do it, the team doctor thing I'm less familiar with, but Jim Jordan was... He, uh, uh, it's a, to, to say that now decades later, he as a 22 year old bore some sort of responsibility for rooting this out and changing it and getting to the bottom of it. it's just it's disingenuous.
1: The reason this story is getting attention is his name is being thrown around to replace Paul Ryan as right. Speaker of the House. Um, I, I don't know a couple, a couple of the wrestlers that are making the claims they sound incredibly believable, yep. but then you got other people. Other wrestlers just say no, that didn't happen at all, who also sound believable.
2: Well, and or that Jim Jordan had no real role in it. it. You know, is it possible that he was part of conversations about, yeah, god dang it, there's always dudes around here staring at my junk, and somebody ought to do something about it, and I think the doctor may be, you know, in the parlance of the time, a queer or something like that, and he was part of those discussions. Maybe he forgot about it, or maybe he thinks, oh, man, this is politically dangerous. Maybe yeah. he's lying about it right now, lying about it. But the idea that he should have rooted it out and done something is just disingenuous. If if Bernie Sanders, decades ago, had been some 22-year-old library assistant, and there was something hinky going on in the library at some university, I wouldn't hold him responsible for not ending it. I mean, it's just well, unrealistic.
1: Well, I, I got a good example here I think it's kind of interesting for the whole hashtag MeToo thing when you start going back many years. Although it's your story, so I'm not... I can't tell your story without written permission. My story? Your mailman when you were a kid. You're oh, a yeah. Friend. Yeah, sure. sure. Go ahead. But Marvin the mailman. So you have said that it was pretty much open knowledge that the mailman you had around there was a... He a, was child. a child toucher. Yeah. So, could somebody come forward now who was a victim of, you know, molestation of a child, horrifying crime, and say, look, you all knew about it and didn't do anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was Whereas a very, for, very different time. For whatever
1: yeah. reason, back then, you didn't do anything. You just said, stay away from that guy as a child molester.
2: Right. If if your mailman wanted to lift up your little girl's sundress, you'd just keep her away from him. You wouldn't launch a big deal. I know that sounds sounds crazy probably to some of our younger listeners, but... It, does, it sounds crazy by today's standards. Oh, I know absolutely. it sounds,
1: it, absolutely, it sounds crazy to me. But having lived the same era you did, it's perfectly yeah. believable for them. So right. I'm just wondering if maybe a similar thing happened here with Jim Jordan right. where... Uh, you know, just at the time it didn't see yeah people made jokes you know, like, so watch out for the doctor. he's you know he's India right. yeah when he was right.
2: checking me for a hernia, he wouldn't let go. Well it's not know? a surprise we all know he right yeah so anyway. I don't know any any all is fair in in love war and politics though to the point of making you want to vomit.
3: There you go. that's wrapped at your news. I'm Marshall Phillips the Armstrong and Getty showed the conscience of the nation ring the bell. That's
1: the Liberty Bell people. Not just any bell. Wow. We're going to
2: continue our cabinoscopy, or are we done? hey eh, maybe later. Yeah. We need to get to the bottom of the controversy that script America should Miss America uh, trot around in a s-
1: bikini and high
2: heels or
1: not. They've eliminated the swimsuit portion. They're now just going to wear leather pants and Crocs, <laughs> and they've made the evening gown part optional. They can be naked. No, 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 no. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: The conscience of the nation.
3: Talk us through the, the process of eliminating the swimsuit competition and also changing the evening gown, making it optional in some ways. Yes. So thank you for asking about that because there was a lot of misinformation about the evening gown category. And basically, it's been in the past couple of years that candidates had the choice of wearing something different. So we were just retelling that to candidates that, look, you know, wear whatever you feel most self-confident in and the way in which you feel the most glamorous and the most sassy and, um, you know, the most self-confident to come out on stage. So we're just giving them a choice with that. And the swimsuit competition will be instead replaced with something that's more substantive about the candidate so that the viewing audience uh, watching on ABC can okay. learn more about the individual and okay. why they might actually right. be the best person for the job. Good that's right.
1: That. Good luck with that.
2: The best person for the job oh. of Miss America.
1: There you go. So that's Gretchen Carlson, Carlson, formerly of Fox. She got felt up by Roger Ailes or something. What mm, right. happened. Yes. Not her fault. It's his fault. Certainly. But anyway, she was a Miss
2: America. That's right and now she's on the board a bunch of people have quit yeah she's the chairwoman of the board well and she and the board decided unanimously uh, to allow uh, to eliminate the swimsuit competition and to wear whatever outfit they want during the uh, evening wear portion okay so if you it, right instead of just evening wear.
1: I I, I will miss the whole miss america is a stupid the whole thing is stupid now, i'm fact, not sure i understand <laughs> what you're saying the fact that anybody was doing an interview about their new rules is hilarious but um uh if you if you make it just you know a bunch of like 19 year olds in khakis in a polo shirt explaining how they uh served meals to the old folks on the weekends and they should get a scholarship that's nice and that's better than Miss
2: America but ain't nobody going to watch it as a TV show well how will you know who's the best person for the job the job of well, so representatives from 22 state pageants have signed a petition calling for the resignation of the entire board, including uh, Gretchen Carlson, for mm-hmm. eliminating the swimsuit competition and making the uh, evening gown uh, Okay, optional. I think it's
1: I think women walking around in bikinis and high heels on TV for entertainment is stupid, but <sighs> please. And if you watch it, you're Mr. stupid. Highbrow. If you watch it, you're stupid. What? But, the human body is, it's God's greatest work of art. But if you're running this show, you gotta go the other direction, not the eliminate the swimsuit and make it more about the scholarship, unless you want the show to go away. If you want the show to be popular, you gotta eliminate the scholarship crap and make it more about the. How hot they are, part, if you just want to make it a TV show with ratings, it's dumb again, if you watch it, you're stupid.
2: Wow, wow, that is hurtful to a great american tradition jack and i uh, I cannot join you in that uh and please, please, grace, you can
1: play the flute, let's eliminate the musical instrument thing, and now you got to wear a cowboy hat and
2: chaps. look, it's a hot chick playing a flute <laughs> um <laughs> I, 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 just please, please don't take away the if you were the president, right. how would you conquer world hunger? <laughs> You well, have, you have 20 I, seconds. Do we have some sort of appropriate music playing in the background? Well, I would first of all ask who's hungry and then, then find food for them so they could eat it. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Find food for them so they could eat it. Right! Please don't eliminate that.
1: If you had a soccer team down in a mine shaft, what would you do? <laughs>
2: You know the idea of eliminating the swimsuit competition is ironic, since that's how it began. In what was it, 1922? Well, that's uh, Atlantic what I'm City, the, the... it was a swimsuit competition. You got a couple of kind of funny-looking gals. They look like a UPS box on a couple of legs, or spindly and funky wearing their, their uh, what, what do you call it? Not the bobber? Did uh the... What was it, the style of, the style
1: at the time? I don't know much about the uh, historiography of women's bikinis. What
2: but oh, oh my god there are no bikinis and what, the, what am I looking for? Flappers. They're looking with their funky flapper uh, one pieces and so it started as a swimsuit competition. Like an egg <laughs> well, was, a
1: pair of spindly legs. Its original sponsor, I believe, was either like a s- soap company or a lotion thing, and sure. the whole point was to show off beautiful skin. Well, yeah. right. So, so then during the you know women's lib movement, they had to throw in a little scholarship stuff to justify the stupidity right. of women walking around in bikinis. Well,
2: I would say baseness, not stupidity, and those are different things. And now they think they're going to take it even further down the scholarship road.
1: Okay, yeah. that's fine. You, you know, have that, but it's not going to be on television, that's, which is
2: fine. By you know, the way. it's funny, little D, uh, your your khakis and and polo shirt thing. That's exactly what little D is doing this summer for a university. And the interview process was kind of like Gretchen Carlson is describing. You know, they're they're interviewed at length and asked to talk about this, that, and the other. To, they're given a fairly significant responsibility for the university. Um, and it's very cool, and I'm very proud of her that she's doing, doing it. But ain't nobody going to watch that process. Well, right.
1: That's what I'm saying. I just, you know, I just like to be honest. I like everyone to be honest. Yeah, good luck with that. You won, Boring.
2: Gretchen Carlson. You won because you were hot in a
1: bikini. That, had, that was a giant portion
2: of why you were miss america and then she went on to host a midday show for stupid people i mean that show was unwatchable how about that huh that show oh it was that's terrible. Harsh talk i'm sorry it was that awful i will not engage it well see, well all right then uh let's see the uh Carlson-led revamp comes after a December scandal in which emails surfaced showing then-CEO Sam Haskell and others mocked winners' intelligence, looks, and sex lives. The, public, uh, the published messages showed offensive language uh, used in 2013 to describe Miss America Mallory Hagan, describing her as fat and gross in one note, and joking about sleeping with her in another. Oh, oh
1: that's not cool. Um, but no, we, no, indeed. We glossed over your favorite part of what Gretchen Carlson said, is that we need to find the best woman for the job. And again, right. what is the job exactly? Showing up to a new mall and cutting the ribbon with the mayor. That I guess. is gross. Well, there was that part about finding food and giving it to hungry people or something, right? Didn't they yeah. talk about
2: that? That brought a tear to my eye.
1: I mean, because there was always that hilarious, the first runner-up, if the winner is not able to fulfill their duties. What duties? <laughs>
2: Here's one quote from the emails. Mallory's preparing for a new career as a blimp in the Macy's Thanksgiving parade. Oof! Oh. That ain't cool. No, that's not cool at all. That, that, that was never cool ever, and certainly not now. Bring on the khakis and polo shirts. I agree. You're listening
1: to the Armstrong and Getty Show.